Hello, TSF family. We wanted to start off by saying thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast and for your hard work to love yourself more and for your feedback. Can you believe it's been three years that we've been doing this spiritual fix and it has been such a beautiful labor of love for Anna and me. We have loved doing this work. We've loved hearing from you and we love exploring ourselves and each other alongside our listeners. We wanted to put out the call for three ways that you can help support us to support you. One, we would love you to leave us a review on iTunes or follow us on Spotify. Two, drop us an email and let us know how much the podcast means to you. And three, you can donate monthly or even just once to our PayPal patronage. Every little bit helps and we are so grateful to those of you who have donated already. Thank you. You help make this podcast possible. Thanks, y'all. You can go to our website, www.thisspiritualfix.com for information on how to pledge as well as to email us. This Spiritual Fix presents TSF Shorts. A potluck of preludes between episodes. Hello, TSF family. Today we are going to be interviewing the first of our Primal Wounds interviews with our listeners. Today you're listening to R.B. Martinez. Thanks. Hey, Christina. Hello, Anna. And welcome, RV. We're doing our series where we interview listeners like yourself on the primal wounds as we revisit them this year. And welcome, RV. Thank you for being a listener from, I think, the very beginning. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. We're so excited to have you on here. Um, obviously, the, we, <laughs> the conversation even got started before we pushed record because <laughs> we were just getting straight into it. But Arby, why don't you tell us a little bit about your experience and like, you know, kind of just introduce yourself to our listeners. So uh, my name's Arby. Um, I, um, I, you know, it's funny, you live your life and you don't realize you're just kind of doing what you know. And until I met this woman uh, just about four years ago, at the very start of COVID, who inspired me to be better. And and my love for her, like, clicked on and knew that I could be a better person. And I didn't want to be the way that I had lived my life. I didn't want to be wounded and, and lashing out at others and just all this programming that it just... Um, and I don't know if we'll get into it, but I just had a really rough childhood. I have a lot of generational curses and they really wired me into this mistruth of my perception of life. And so as the time went on, you know, I just kept seeing all these ways that I wasn't living in joy. I wasn't living the best life I could live. And um, I used the putting away your trauma is funny. It's like carrying around 500 pounds of luggage. You don't really need it. You don't know what's in there, but it's just heavy. And the funny thing is putting it down is the easiest thing in the world. It's like, bye. But actually convincing yourself that you don't need it anymore, that's the hard journey. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, it can resonate. And, and also, yeah, like convincing yourself you don't need it and then convincing yourself that you're powerful enough to let it go too. Right. Yeah, exactly. I love that. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a beautiful way of putting it. Thank you. Yeah. The, you know, so we would love for you to share what you would like to share in terms of the significant experiences from your childhood or those generational curses that you're talking about that kind of contributed to you, your exploration of the primal wounds and your expression of them. Absolutely. My father was a soldier. Um, and, you know, soldiers are well celebrated and do and are patriotic and are doing things that they believe is best for the country. But when they come home, their families pay the price and they either have the ability to work through what they've experienced or they don't. And I always thought my dad in some ways is the bravest man I've ever met. But where his bravery ended was dealing with the wounds that he got in war. And so my family was left to deal with that um, through alcoholism, uh, physical and mental abuse. And even uh, my mom, who was a codependent naturally because of its alcoholism, and she kind of set a lot of 
who I thought a person should be because she was like my hero, my savior. And even to the point where I realized recently that my mom kind of abandoned me in, in focusing on trying to mediate dad, focusing on like making sure dad wasn't going to explode. So as a child, I was constantly kind of abandoned in the moments that I needed because she was making sure the fire on the other side of the house wasn't going to overtake the house. And, uh, but it, it also set an example for me to codependency of like, you got to make sure others are taken care of to be loved. And, you know, I felt heavily betrayed by my family because in moments there was love. I mean, if anybody that's experienced any sort of childhood, there's these moments of these great joy and love and you're a child and you can express joy. But then there's these moments that like color everything else. You know, it's, it's, it, it overlaps. So that was kind of the basis of everything for me. And then, you know, I've always been a high achiever. Um, my intelligence is very high. So school was always easy. College was easy. Um, work always came easy. And it's funny because the self-worth thing was funny because I always said, if you look at me on a piece of paper, like a resume, I'm, I'm the shiniest person you'll meet, but there's just something missing. And there was, it was me loving myself and me like setting boundaries and being healthy and being able to connect with others. And uh, so marriages, relationships, uh, my son, um, all and my family and all these other things, um, all suffered because I couldn't connect with myself. I couldn't connect with others. And I literally was surviving. I was like on a hamster wheel, um, just running to the next thing when, you know, and then trying to save people along the way, always somewhere else, never in the present moment. And, um, I'm sure y'all experience if you're not in the present moment, you're not living life. Like there is no joy anywhere else. And, um, you know, my current partner um, really made me want to live a different life. I wanted to have joy. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned this beautiful array of all the primal wounds, which we all have in its own way. What would you say is your primary primal wound? Absolutely betrayal. Um, and it's funny, I was looking at the nickname for it, the controller. Um, you know, I was reading the cheat sheet. And so anybody on the podcast that hasn't looked at the website, there's these beautiful PDFs um, that are amazing that just kind of is like a cheat sheet of, for me, like a checklist of mostly the things that I need to work on. You know, I've always intellectualized feelings, um, striving to be better. I, I, you know, it's, I don't rest. I'm just, even when I'm laying down, I'm thinking of the next thing I need to do or the thing that I can do better on and, and it's nuts. And I, um, one that hit home pretty deeply for older versions of me is not tolerating lies for others, but I was okay with lying if it was helping others, you know, little white lies to kind of, um, doing what's best for others. And really it's not, I mean, I was just trying to control them. Um, I did this really weird thing where I could, I could understand people without taking their feelings or into, into uh play. So I could literally understand what people were going to do. And I would always say I could like model what I expected out of them, but I never knew who they were. I never connected with them because feelings were completely out. So I could pretty much tell you what somebody's going to do, but I couldn't connect or understand where they're coming from or be sympathetic or empathetic. Um, manipulating and controlling for sure um in ways the hard thing about codependency is you know in today's age and tiktok and everything else narcissism is often talked about but we don't often talk about how bad for others codependency is we often kind of think of them as the victim and the truth is is they are, in my opinion, as heavy 
towards somebody else as a narcissist because at least a narcissist is self-centered. A codependent is literally trying to use somebody else to take focus off themselves. And I found that in myself. I, I always say we revere the rescuer, right? In our yeah. culture, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, and the weirdest thing is like, as a codependent, being able to play victim, right? Like, I was so good at that. Like, we're never really a victim to anyone. You know, we can walk away from them at any time, but for some reason in our head, we have to continue down that path. Something I wanted to ask you all about, if that's okay with this format, is I have always had this huge thing for making sure children and the elderly were safe. Like, you can do whatever you want, but if there was a burning building, I would run in and save the children, even if I was on fire. And I noticed that on your your sheet. Do you all have any thoughts on that? Because I feel like that's an area for me to explore. Oh, yes. I know I wrote that. Yeah. Would- because, oh, there, because, well, the reason I wrote that was because they're very risk adverse, right? And so keeping children safe and 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 safe from harm and and risk was why I put that because I had noticed that my friends who had a predominant betrayal wound they wouldn't let their children like climb a tree or run in the street without shoes on or walk around the neighborhood without a jacket on in the fall like lots of um protection stuff protection and control and I feel that deeply because I'm kind of a helicopter parent where mm-hmm. like, I don't, I'm not real risk averse myself. And it's part of the self-worth thing is like risk. Besides in some areas, risk has never bothered me. Um, except for with the relationships, that's different. I'm very risk averse in the relationships. Um, trust is the big thing for me with that wound. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I have, and, and not being able to trust people means you cannot form a connection. Like, I remember the happiest moments of my life or in my relationship, like having these terrible triggers go through my head. And I'm like, this is the best moment I've ever had. And my mind is playing this trick on me and not letting me connect. And I'm like, what if, you know, so I'm trying to come back to presence, choosing my breath, finding safety in the moment, and then be here now. Because your mind, sorry, because your mind would imagine like they're cheating or something or, or betrayal. I mean, how did it? It's betrayal. Like whatever it is, like even if they had done whatever story my mind needed to take me away, like the person's in front of me, they're obviously not doing anything. I'm safe in this moment. My mind's going back to like, oh, that one thing that I questioned three weeks ago that could be a trigger or trust. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, I'm sitting here now. I know I'm jumping ahead of the questions a little bit, but I want to thank you, Anna. Um, in those moments, Ho'oponopono has been huge for me because it like drowns out whatever else I'm thinking. And so that's kind of how I try to find presence. So I, I want to thank y'all because I got that from y'all. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think too, to, to reflect on what you're talking about with trust is that, you know, one of the, one of the practices becomes how do you increase your tolerance for bliss like how do you increase your ability to tolerate it, right? Because because one of the things that betrayal tells us is that not only will other people betray us, but the universe will, right? And that the the rug is going to get pulled out from us at any if it gets too good, it's going to get pulled out, guaranteed. And that's so huge because uh, I went through a huge betrayal, um, and I. And I had to work through, I'll kind of go into kind of of the story went is I feel like God, the universe kind of sent me on a path and it like absolutely had me doing all this work and all this path. And then, then I, I got some knowledge that it wasn't exactly like I thought it was. And this was just this huge betrayal I had to deal with. And I felt more betrayed from God than I did anything. So I had to really work through my relationship, you know, really work through that place because, you know, if, if God in the universe is betraying you, 
that's where everything else comes from. You know what I mean? So it was. I 100% agree. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where you can get into this, this interesting place, because I, I talked to a lot of my clients about this is this idea that when you have high intelligence, right? It's one of those things in which the patterns that you see can almost feel like omens. They can almost feel like really logical, universal wisdom that's coming down to tell you to do something, right? Because it is it is a level of kind of really, really high functioning. But if you're not in your body, there's no way to validate right? That kind of omen sense, that kind of that, that if you, that connection, you need that balance and that connection with your feelings to like, know that the omen is actually that if you say, you know what I'm saying? That's huge. The balance thing. And I never thought about that before. Cause like, you know, I think we work on both sides of the heart chakra, if that makes any sense. Um, so like, I think as we go through our shadow work and then you know, the ultimate goal is balance, whether we talk about masculine or feminine, we talk about um, spiritual uh, 5D, 3D existence, whether we talk about um, love and logic. And, and I, and I remember as I'm like trying to sort through my shadow work, which I was, I was a shadow worker, there was no light, it was just dig, 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 gotta be perfect, gotta be, you know, so uh, so I was heavily imbalanced that way. And then I was deeply in my feminine and working through all those, which also came in with like the spirit, the the 5D kind of thing. But I wasn't really connected with 3D in those moments. So I was in all this like bliss because, you know, as you all know, as you experience the, the 5D, it's almost, I mean, it's drug-like, right? Because you're like, it's a dream state. It's, it's, um, but then you're out of balance and you have to come back in your body and know what you're feeling and experience yourself. And uh, it's so funny. I questioned myself for a minute. And I'm like, well, this is a little woo woo. And I'm like, Oh no, that's cool. This is the right place for it. <laughs> that check is hilarious. <laughs> right. <laughs> are these people safe to talk to about this? Or are they just, yeah. Gonna, yeah. 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 I was going to say, we will not be judging you for Woo woo stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. It was funny when you said that when you're in the 5D, you have to come back to your body. And I was thinking, oh, when I'm in the 5D, I feel like I'm in my body. So then I started wondering, are we experiencing it differently? You know, I don't know. So I think I think there are all levels of it, right? I think that there are levels in which we can experience this really euphoric state, which sits in these higher planes in which you're so deeply inside yourself that it's like, there is no inside anymore, right? What I love, right. you know, uh, I'm sure Ram Das and the way he talks about coming up in the 5D and um, his cool story about, uh, he was using psychedelics to get there, but it would be temporary. And I think I actually heard this on y'all's podcast, but, and so his journey to try to find ways to connect in a more uh, permanent kind of connection or be able to do it on call without drugs was so cool. Um, yeah, absolutely. That makes that it's very interesting that I had a couple questions though, actually. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. So, um, I just had a couple of questions about your childhood. Did you have siblings or were you an only child? I'm a middle child. You know, the terrible kid that everybody talks about that was me, (laughs) like doesn't pay attention to anything else around them. Um, kind of the center of their own universe that's the middle yeah. child thing yeah and I have a younger and older sister my sister's about nine years older and my younger sister is about 18 months okay and then my other question about your childhood and I don't know if you know the answer I don't know if any of us know the answer but I'm curious like why you saw the relationship with your parents and you decided to follow in your mother's footsteps of codependency versus your father's of alcoholism like like I'm just curious why why we choose which role model to to mimic you know well that's a great question and you know I kind of played I've played that in my head a lot because I definitely have some of that I don't know about y'all but I definitely feel like I could have chose a path there like there's a definitely a part of me um when it comes to alcohol I stayed away from it because I kind of had that thirst for it if that makes any sense like I was like ooh, that's too good I need to stay away from it um 
So I kind of, after I was old enough to drink it, I just convinced myself it wasn't any fun anymore. And a little Jedi mind trick on myself. But um, I, um, I don't know. I think it's because my mom is the one that gave me attention, to tell you the truth. Like my dad, and there's a, my dad is such an amazing man. And it's, it's taken a lot of work to get to the point where I could see the good in him. But like the things that my father has done and the, the, the way that he loves people when he's able to. And, and there's like, I'm thankful that he's given some of those qualities to me that I really admire in him because, um, you know, even two years ago, I was so stuck in being able to learn forgiveness that I was not able to appreciate the good moments. The I I I chased a butterfly a little bit there. I'm sorry, um, but I think that's part of what it was. Is I was so deep in resentment of this man who wasn't there when I needed him. That uh, my mom at least had. I didn't really realize my mom, I had problems with my mom until maybe two years ago. And it clicked one night and I was like, oh my goodness, this is not just a mom wound or this is just not a dad wound. He was just the loudest that hurt the worst. Like there's a mom wound there where like, you know, I'm literally when I, I'm sitting there, you know, talking about relationship problem and I'm like, I'm deeply emotional and I'm trying to connect with her. And she's like, she's like too busy to talk in that moment and she's like worried about my dad and I realized that this is a pattern that had been my whole life is that I needed her she didn't have the space for me right and so there's a deep wound there too but I think mom felt safe where dad didn't feel safe and that's kind of why I followed the codependent and and then I think there's an intelligence thing there too, like being able to use your intelligence would definitely fit into the controller model mm-hmm. easily. You're right. A lot of the controllers are very smart. Absolutely. Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> that might be why I, that's not high on my list. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> don't pretend you're not smart Anna <laughs> I'm smart but I'm not Christina smart yeah I I'm resourceful but I wouldn't say like as really intelligent well it doesn't even matter I'm not even gonna go into it because it'll look like I'm fishing for a compliment or some bullshit but I'm just I'm just curious about it all because it's just a it's just an interesting dynamic like why we choose the parent to emulate you know and That's I'm sure there's run over like a blend, like there's qualities in both that you display and absorbed and all that. Yeah. Well, and literally I've kind of run my life of where I told you uh, Scorpio moon, Scorpio rising. So I have this extreme intensity in me, right? Which is kind of like my dad. Like if I needed to, if there's an emergency, I'm your man. I'm running towards the fire. But I think that I've always tried to be calm because I never wanted to be scary. But I can be very intense and intimidating. Mm -hmm. But the weird thing is it almost comes across as, as I've tried to be less, so I didn't intimidate people, it comes across really rough with people. So like when I'm trying to be soft, people are like, why are you yelling at me? You ever watch Anger Management with Adam Sandler? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, in the beginning and the thing, he's like, they're like, why are you yelling at me? And he's like, I'm just being calm. It's kind of that energy. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's, but that's like, in some ways, the great deceiver in all of us, right. Is that we think that we can control the kind of natural expression of who we are. And it's almost like a magical thinking sort of thing to be like, Oh, like I, like I used to think that I was so good at hiding my feelings. And one day my dad was like, are you kidding me? He's just like, he's like, no, you're the worst. Yeah. I think that's, Oh, go ahead. I was going to say the Scorpio intensity, like even if you're not yelling, that energy, it's like, what do they say? X percent, 98% of communications nonverbal or something. I feel like Absolutely. it's just the energy that, that gets transmitted. Well, I think it has a lot to do with our masks, right? So we have all these masks. We, 
layers and layers of masks that we used as survival. And I don't think all of our masks are as good as we think they are. And then, you know, you talk about somebody, you know, like intimate partner. They're going to understand when you're being passive aggressive that it's just you trying not to be aggressive because that's not a safe place to be, right? Like, I'm a man. I can't be aggressive towards a woman. That's a rule. So in that mask where I'm being passive aggressive, when I'm having big feelings, that feels really unsafe because I'm pretending I'm this. I'm actually this. And then there's this feeling inside of you of, of insecurity. So when you're dealing with people like that, it automatically feels unsafe. And I think women, especially who learn to navigate the world of is a man safe, that inconsistency between energy and what they're saying has to be massive, like a big red warning light, right? Yes. Yes, I would definitely say so. Yeah. It's a, it, yeah, it's like one of those things to your point. Like I remember I heard that it takes a, an allistic person about five seconds to determine if a person's autistic, even if the person who's autistic is fully masking. Right. And it's like a really dismaying thing for autistic people to think that they're not actually convincing people otherwise that like, they're literally able to be judged in that quick of a time. Wait, who can do it? Autistic, other autistics, autistic? All, allistics being non-autistic people, allistics. Uh can tell if an autistic person five seconds every word you can say you know what energy that reminds me of and you all have children right so like do you know how angry your children get when you're like why are you not telling the truth yeah and they're so like angry about it mm-hmm. it's kind of that energy isn't it where they're mm-hmm. like why don't you believe me <laughs> it's like i watched you take the cookie out of the cookie jar honey <laughs> no yes. matter who deception does that yeah Yeah. So in terms of, um, you know, it sounds like your primal wounds, like you've come through this really beautiful journey of it. Um, You know, in terms of, I say beautiful, but I know that beauty is rough and tumble. Exactly. So what are some other examples of how you've seen this, this wound or other primal wounds in your life uh, with your relationship with those around you? Well, the betrayal one's interesting because it's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Like, I don't know how it worked, but I was picking people that would betray me. And I don't know why, but I think there's some part of me that if I can, like, pick somebody that I know that's going to, then I'm not surprised when they do it. And I don't really understand it, but I definitely see a pattern of betrayal um, in partners. Um but the interesting thing is we as people, you know, have good days and bad days. We lie. We, we lie, little white lies, things that are inconsequential. And then, you know, even fawning and stuff like that, people people tell things. Like, you know, I don't want to tell my wife when I didn't do a chore that she asked me to do or I forgot it, you know. So, like, but that doesn't mean that I'm a terrible person. We need to get a divorce. But when you have a betrayal wound, those little tiny things is like making a mountain out of a molehill. Like they feel so heavy. It might just be, well, I spent, I said I spent $5 at the store, but I actually spent six. But, but when you have a betrayal wound, like that one thread starts pulling off and the rest of your life is in question. So it's so hard um, where you're spending most of your time trying to prove that somebody's not telling you the truth instead of being present. And, and what I really found with this specifically is that I wasn't able to be present or have joy. It literally was stealing all my joy. And, you know, the other wounds, um, I don't exactly understand why, but I have a huge, I am codependent. It's something huge part of me. So I obviously have an abandonment wound. Um, that episode resonated deeply with me. The rejection wound, I, uh, I'm i busy. I stay busy um, instead of taking the opportunity to relax or connect with somebody or do something fun. Um, there's always something I can be doing. And there's always something I can be doing better or I can be mindful of replaying a day in my head or interaction. So the perfectionism for me 
which is, I think it's interesting. The rejection wound can work both ways where you're either others need to be perfect or you need to be perfect. For me, it's just pretty much me. So I don't, but there's definitely some big threads of that. Um, injustice um, is huge because like the rigidity, like I can be, which is weird. I could pack everything I own in half an hour and move to a different country. But there's definitely this rigidity about me that I don't understand. Like if somebody tells me they're going to do something and they do something else, I'm like, what was that? <laughs> um, and then feelings and connection with the injustice wounds. Like I, I really noticed a deep sense, a deep fear of intimacy that I'm starting to work through, which is, you know, we, we all want to be connected to other people, to effortlessly flow to other people, to have a best friend we feel safe for, a partner that, you know, friends we can hand our wallet to and not worry about whether they're going to steal the money out of it. And we all have this deep interconnectedness that we need that, you know, when you're not able to connect or you're scared to connect, it makes life feel incomplete. Uh, humility wound. Um, so this is an interesting take against, so the betrayal wound, I don't trust people, right? But humility wound, somehow, once I find that they betrayed me, I somehow can justify their actions. It's such a weird energy. Interesting. Right? Can I say that one more time? When, when they betray you. I find a way, so I have the You find a way to right? gaslight yourself. <laughs> yes, or it's okay, or I don't need to set a boundary, or uh, there's like some people in my life that they have done terrible things to me, and until the resentment got big enough, so let me go about resentment a little bit if, if that's okay. Um, until recently, I never realized that a relationship had a set period of time, or actually a set period of tolerance until my resentment was so high that I was done with them and I'd run away from them almost instantly. And there's this pattern in me where like I could be in any stage of a relationship, but once the camel's back was broke of resentment, I was gone and they never existed. We moved on to the next thing. And so it's interesting because, but there's also these people that were such a monumental part of my life that I'm like trying to build something with them, but I didn't know how to build past the resentment to get to the next step, the next layer, the next connection. And the and, resentments about the perceived betrayals. Yeah. The resentments from the betrayal wound. Right. Okay. But then there's like the humility is like not feeling worthy of worthy of them. So until I hit that resentment thing, I will tolerate just about anything somebody will do to me. Yes. I mean, being cheated on, lied to, stolen from, whatever it is, I would tolerate it. Until one day, out of the blue, I've had all the resentment I could have. I was tired of feeling that way inside, and I would just leave and tell them, yes. I'm done with this relationship. Peace out. Change my phone number. And they're like, we're getting married next week. Not literally, but it's like we're planning our lives together. And the next thing, I'm done. And it's just like a switch that turned off. Yes. It it's interesting you say that the way that I describe that energetically in people, because I've seen that same pattern, is that so many of us sit, all of us have such a predominant humiliation wound, but it's by far the one that we ignore or the one that we don't necessarily are, aren't able to connect with because of the fact that it is so fundamental to who we are, like the shame associated, you know, like the shame, humiliation, whatever it is, and then the masochism that comes as the mask of the humiliation wound. And oftentimes when I work with people, I find that they have a lot of generational trauma that sits in their humiliation wound, which is why it's that it sits in that root chakra, which is why they can't actually directly connect with it. Because in some ways it's like the tolerance has been filled up by somebody else that they don't have like conscious, it's like very, very sub subconscious. And so, like you said, it's like, it's like in some ways, it's almost like you've outsourced the feeling of the humiliation wound until it rises all the way up to that third chakra and you can feel like you can do something about it. Right. It's fascinating. What about people who like never hit that? I guess they're the I ones think... who stay in really toxic relationships. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, go ahead, RB. So what I was going to say about that is I realized a year ago that I had never, that I didn't understand forgiveness. Like I had no fathom of what resi- actual forgiveness was because if you forgive somebody, the resentment goes away. If you forgive yourself, your resentment for yourself goes away. And I had used the word forgiveness, which meant I wasn't going to bring it up to that person anymore. Probably. Maybe. I was going to try not to bring it up to that person anymore. It's probably a better way to state that. I love um, it. <laughs> but, but when it come down to it, it, it was still there. I could still touch that feeling. And all I had to do was go back. And so I was never truly. And then, so in addition to that, the resentment is always laying there. There's like, kind of like the suitcase. I'm still carrying the suitcase around with all the resentment in it. And the only way that I have found to work through that resentment is forgiveness because there is no word. Somebody's going to tell you there is no apology. Like when they say you forgive for yourself, I still don't quite understand it completely, but I'm starting to make steps to be able to forgive. I'm starting to be able to make steps to be able to let go of all the poison I'm drinking of my own lack of forgiveness, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I had a couple questions about some of the stuff you said. I just feel like, God, we could talk for hours about all this, but one was that you said, um, with the, like the betrayal wound that you're constantly like on the lookout for, are they betraying me? Did they lie? And I was just curious, Christina, since that's your primary wound too do you do you find yourself doing that or do you do I mean you do other, I know you do other things but do you do that as well uh it's an interesting thing because I think that in general I hate surprises and I think that that's how the betrayal wound can show up in my experience RB I'd be curious what you did but like I remember once at work I was you know I said I was like I've, I'm pretty good with change I said this to one of my good colleagues good friends who's a colleague and she looked at me and she says no you're not <laughs> Megan <laughs> right yeah her friend Megan um and she's like no you're not and I was like really she's like yeah you have this really really rough patch when it comes to change something you didn't anticipate with your mind and then you're okay after that like once you kind of put it into a system that makes sense then it's okay but until then I am a fucking nightmare to be around well, you're right. okay with change you initiate, right? Not change oh, yeah, others initiate. Not change others initiate. Because she's initiate. in control. Because <laughs> she's in control, control, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> but if somebody throws in a spanner into anything or does something that I haven't anticipated with my mind, like I'm just like, fuck that. So that's, it can lead to all sorts of things. The thing yeah. about the dynamic of this podcast is like, I see your friendships grow. So, like, as a listener, we hear all the like relationship and connection grow between you all as we go and <laughs> our arguments and, but but they're so deep like because because it's I've learned the only way to trust somebody is for them to be able to show vulnerability right that's how we gain trust in each other and and it's the true definition of trust is being able to open up my heart and expose it to you and if you're safe and you don't try to stab it then we build a, we build a layer of trust right and then like so as a listener, we go from season one to, are we on six or seven? Now? Yeah, six. We're on six and this six. is all today. Yeah. And so like, so we see this growing you and then these wounds, these, these shadow elements that are, that you all trust each other so much that you can, you know, because y'all are soulmates, because you push each other and expose all these awesome things in each other. Like even the moments where y'all are like talking about this story, I can't remember any specific, but I remember y'all be like, I was so angry at her last week and we had to work through it. We had to talk about it. And those are my favorite moments because you all trust each other enough to do this really hard process with each other. And like, I can tell in these moments in your voice that you're like, girl, but I love you. <laughs> and, and it's such a beautiful experience to watch. And it's so vulnerable and makes you very trustable and likable. Thank you. That's awesome. Yeah. You're Christina awesome. has been a great, we've been great teachers for each other. I think <laughs> in the interpersonal where we kind of joke that it's like um, a good buffer for them to expand it with our husbands. or <laughs> But um, another, something you said earlier, which I thought was so, so, so important is you said that 
you think that the wound that you have, that the partner you pick, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy that you end up choosing the person that brings out that wound in you. And like, what I truly believe is that actually like everyone's actions are pretty neutral, but we have the paintbrush. It's like, what, what color are you going to dip your paintbrush in? Because, you know, if someone cheats on you, like you're, you're going to see it as betrayal, but I might see it as abandonment. Like they abandoned the relationship and they went elsewhere. Um, you know, like, like, like for, like, I don't know if anyone actually ever betrays you. You just infer betrayal, right? So there's yeah. that, but, but then like another thing is, is you go looking for, is like what you said about um, that you go looking for it. Like you start overanalyzing, like they complimented me. Are they un untrustworthy? Because they said that I looked really good, but we all know I only looked okay that day or, you right. know, I'm making this up, but like, you know, maybe you create the wound when it's not even there because you need to feed the wound and, 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 and grow through the wound. Um, I, I was just, and it was just an idea because I feel like if I want to go looking for the wound, I can find it. But, and then sometimes I've been recent. Oh, go ahead. You, you want to say something? No, I want to, I want to tap into something because it's a great example. Um, and, and I think a lot of people understand this. You said something like, well, you told me I looked good, but I only felt like I looked okay. So you're untrustworthy. And it's weird because we like, as a man, my wife gets out of bed, her hair's a mess, and I'm like, girl, you got it going on. She's like, you're stupid. <laughs> and so there's almost that moment where it's like, like y'all are both married. I'm sure your husbands look at you at times. And you're like, what are you talking about? I've got dirt on my forehead, or I just was out mucking the pigs or whatever it was. And, and y'all are like, you're not trustworthy in this moment. I think it's such a beautiful example of these times where we – delusion ourselves we filter ourselves because beauty and and attraction are in the eyes of the holder i mean and so i'm sure there's times where you know your partners are doing something you're like that works for me and they're like what playing with kids is a good example of that right like when they're really good with your kid and he's like what are you talking about because we don't get that we're just like we're just having fun we were playing out in the yard with the water hose you know Okay. But then, so when you're talking about, you know, is it a self-fulfilling prophecy? The other day I was in the garden and I was like, start, I'm in this, I mean, I'm in my garden. It's like my favorite place in the world. I'm picking tomatoes. It's just like heaven on earth. And I suddenly start to think about this thing that really pisses me off. And I said, there are 2 million things in the world I could be thinking about right now. Why did I think about the one thing, the only thing that could possibly piss me off is the one like, like, you could talk tell me about, um, you know, this political thing or that political thing or this injustice or this horrible thing happening on the earth. And none of it would bother my peace right now because I'm in a great place. But the one thing that would piss me off is the one thing I'm thinking about. And then I start to say, I've been like, why? Like, what needs to be fed? Well, and I, I think Christina said something earlier, man. It, it was so deep, like uh, tolerance for bliss. Yeah. How do you increase your tolerance for bliss? And I had never heard that before, but I think that has everything to do with it, right? And like being in, out in the garden, you have the chance to connect with nature. You're doing your favorite thing. You have a chance to connect with yourself and like God's inside of us, right? So like, what are we afraid of connecting spending time in our favorite thing, doing our favorite thing. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like, and it's kind of like that compliment thing. It's like, you don't think you deserve that moment. That bliss. So you're like, oh, I don't, I don't trust me. I don't deserve that bliss. Yeah. And let me fuck this like, up. <laughs> let me, let me go ahead and do the way it should be. Cause I don't, I don't feel like I love myself in the way that, uh, and it's yeah. part of the self-love journey, right? Like you ever, you ever do mirror work where you're like looking at yourself and there's when you first start doing it, you're like, Oh man, I got a pimple here. Why would anybody ever love me? And then you start looking at yourself and you're like, man, I like this. And like, like I have pretty eyes and you know, the head shape things working for me today. That's my own personal thing. But, um, but you know, you start really liking things about yourself. Cause when you first start it, you're like, 
man, I hate that mole. I could you lose to you lose five pounds. And if I was working out, my arms would look okay. It's more of a male perspective when a man looks in there. But um, you know, and then as you start to do it, you start finding things you like. So as you increase your tolerance for bliss, you start allowing yourself to feel safe to be blissful, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you get out of the addictive cycle. I mean, it's exactly the addictive cycle of the drama triangle. Like we know that we are all addicted to the drama triangle and that it's our go-to, right? And when we're not feeling enough of that resistance that the drama triangle brings us, then we're like, where is it? I need my fix. So bringing up another one of y'all's fantastic series, the drama triangle. I love that connection because it's so addictive and like people watch soap operas and which is just kind of, you know, or WWE or whatever your thing is. It's like, we as humans are so addicted that once we get away from it, it's like, I can be in my garden, have peace, you know? And I was thinking, are y'all going to revisit the drama triangle? Cause that's, that thing, that's a banger. That, yeah, that I series think we is. Will. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm just as a little teaser is that I'm, yeah. I'm writing right now about villainy, which is a combination of the wounds and the drama triangle kind of put together in its own way from a very, from a villain perspective. So, yeah. Well, that works out perfect. Dropping that, dropping that teaser for the next series. That works yeah. out good. Yeah, that works but out But not well. this season because I think the primal wounds is going to be enough. <laughs> Yeah, I might do a single episode on villainy, but then we're going, we'll go deeper into the drama trial next like, season. Yeah. Turn on the brakes. <laughs> well, you all should plan a vacation after you go through that. You've earned, because I, I hear that y'all go deep. So, yeah, well, we started yourself. doing, we yeah. started doing every other week, and we were like, why didn't we do this from day one? It was so fucking hard to go that deep every week. It was, I cannot believe, I we, can't did believe it for, we did it for four seasons. Like, I'm fucking shocked that we yeah. lasted that long doing it. I feel week. like it was, it was shadow work, light work boot camp, and I'm so glad it's over. I'm so much, my tolerance for bliss has definitely increased, but damn, <laughs> but I'm so glad that's over. Yeah. So, wait, what's where's the perfectionism? That's the rejection wound. That's why y'all did it. <laughs> so like like for me, once I started growing and seeing there was a problem, man, I was on the shadow work. Like I wasn't doing anything else. I was like, oh, yeah. watch TV. I want to read this book. No, I could be doing shadow work. I can get all this off my plate. <laughs> why would I not just get done with it? Done so with that's it. <laughs> um, that was actually gonna be my next question for you is what has been your go-to like top two favorite shadow work techniques. Oh, I got to go to two. Um, <laughs> you can have three or four if you want. All right. So I'm going to say this. My wife has been my favorite shadow work technique because when, when you find your ultimate mirrors, like there are times we look at each other and we're like, you are triggering me, but I love you. I'm just going to need some time to work through this trigger. And when you can accept somebody that that like they're your favorite and, and person, but they because you're drawn to them, right? So you're working through this mirror. And she, since the moment I met her, she was like, you know, we'll have this great period, and then another layer will come out. And it's like, all right, I'm gonna go work on this. I'll be back in a little bit. And um, but then then I had to do so many tools. But she has always meant a good woman will let you know where you have room for improvement, but it also helps the self-love thing. Cause when, cause she's doing that out of love, when you're able to receive it, you're able to grow greatly as a man. At first you're like, I feel like you're all over me all the time and I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm working hard. But when you start seeing that that's just her loving you in every ounce of her being, every ounce of her femininity, like when you can look at it that way, it's like powerful it's 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 what it's what when they talk about a woman that that is a queen that supports a king that's that kind of energy right there right like like it's huge it's you could do this better um you know yeah. it's, i did so many things in shadow work there's so many little things um presence is a huge thing finding breath um, finding safety in the moment, forgiveness, 
love prayer, Ho'oponopono, and um, people. Like, using people as mirrors has really been the big thing for me with shadow work. But then being brave enough to to know that it's a me thing, right? Like, I see somebody being a jerk to someone, and it bothers me deeply. And, you know, there's obviously a moral thing, whatever, there, but when I'm able to take my triggers and personalize them and look at myself and see where I can grow, that has been like monumental for me. Yeah. You're using the gift of access, right? As the gift it is. And it sounds like doing really beautiful and interesting work in terms of, of where you're getting that access from. And intense because, Mm -hmm. you know, we, we get that injustice win, so we start judging everybody or or morality or anything else. And when we're able to start understanding, like we can only control ourselves, you know, draw a circle around yourself and you're responsible for everything inside. Um, you know, that's that's the core of changing your life. If we're you know, we, if we're stuck in the drama triangle, pointing the fingers and not seeing where we can change our lives through ourselves, our own work, our own connection with ourselves, like that's the magic. That's, that's the work. Absolutely. So in what ways do you feel as if you've experienced healing or resolution through your shadow work? My life's always been heavy. The only place I could ever find joy was in running. And as long as I was running fast enough, my troubles couldn't catch me. And now, as I wake up in the morning and look over at my beautiful wife, and I'm thankful for that moment. I'm thankful for her that she married me. I'm thankful for everything about her. I know that I have found joy in the present. That's so beautiful. Thank you. you. Yeah, it's the way that I've learned to describe the now is recently come to understand it energetically is that when the cup is so filled with self-hatred, right? It's like the feeling of getting into your body or doing anything in that place is so great that you cannot possibly be in the now because you are constantly running from it. It's only when you empty the cup or when you reintegrate the the contents of the cup into free energy again, that you can truly actually be in now because you're okay with being with yourself. You know, that's amazing because that is, I've never heard that before. And that's the inverse of kind of where I would talk about self-love, right? Like, I feel like any love we have from others that isn't the act of my own self-love overfilling onto the people around me is manipulation or control. And I, and as a codependent, I had to work heavily on that because codependents aren't good with unconditional love. They have to learn unconditional love. So it was hard for me to wrap my mind around that if I don't love myself, I'm not loving anyone else. I'm manipulating others. And so inside myself, that was huge. But you're right. There was a lot of self-loathing filling that self-love cup. Yeah, absolutely. So when we talk about a healed betrayal wound, the healed version of it would be trust, but not necessarily trust in others, but self-trust. In what ways do you feel like you learned to trust yourself more that you've been working on this wound? I think when you really see the betrayal trust, uh, the betrayal wound start to heal is when, first of all, it's in the moment, right? So you're like in, you're in the moment and you can be there and you're not looking for anything other than being present because I have spent my whole life being on guard, right? I, um, I spent my whole whole life letting my ego lead my life. And I see the ego as like the knight that defends the king, right? Like this sword, just trying to make sure you're safe. And when you're able to not be on the defense in situations that you 
should be enjoying, you know, you're with your kid at the park. You don't have to constantly be scanning for problems. But so when you're able to be present and you're able to have joy, that's what the heal the trail looks like to me. It's presence, which is in in, in some ways surrender. It is surrender because, you know, safety comes from God, safety comes from the universe, right? Like that love comes from that channel. And like when we're able to love and surrender to ourselves, our time, our presence, and I don't know exactly where I'm going. It's huge. That surrender thing is important. Yes. Yes. Well, that's, I mean, I've heard that there's a great book called The Sacred Way of the Peaceful Warrior. It's the second book in that series. And it talks about how we sit at the door of the, we sit at the third chakra door waiting to come up into the heart, right? And the longest, they always say the longest distance between any chakra is between the third chakra and the fourth chakra, right? Because it's, it's like it, you, cause you have to surrender in that space in order to actually come into the heart space. Right. So I feel like your description of it's perfect of this idea that the betrayal wound sits in that third chakra, because it's about power and control. And when you relinquish that, you're able to surrender up into the heart. You know, I have a question to ask you, because I, I think we talked about kind of my mother being my example. And I think I wonder if there's two ways that people go through the chakra and kind of depending on whether you lean into the divine feminine, divine masculine energy. I feel like as the feminine, you come from source, right? And then go into the heart and then through into the lower chakras, right? Uh, Ultimately getting the root safety masculine. And then if you choose the masculine path until you find balance throughout, I feel like you start at the root you start building physical safety and, and, and et cetera. Um, that's just kind of a theory that I've thought about. Yeah. Any thoughts on that? Oh, it makes perfect sense. Cause it's the sacred marriage, the sacred marriage. Like you were saying, it's the sacred marriage that meets inside your heart. Right. Cause you have, you know, we, I think in some ways we like, you could say that the wounds are, are, you know, that more of the rejection and abandonment, and what I would kind of call the separation wound, one of those higher wounds is all feminine in nature, whereas the injustice and betrayal and humiliation are kind of more masculine. But in general, you're seeing a bit of a sacred marriage coming from that kind of highly receptive source energy to that very primal 3D energy, which is in those first three chakras, right? So there's so many different ways you could kind of put that, but I I, I definitely like that. I'll, I'm going to consider that um, in terms of how it meets, yeah. And there's an interesting dynamic between me and my partner is I kind of went the feminine route and she went the masculine route, which is funny because our genders are swapped and, you know, it's all energy, but, but it's really interesting as you look at that dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if, if she was associating more with her father figure in terms of either becoming the thesis or the antithesis. Right. Cause I feel like in a lot of, a lot of ways, when we have a parent, we either become in opposition to them or we become in tandem. So very similar to what we were talking about before, because we're yeah. always going to be a combo of the two. It's whether or not we choose to to kind of flip the magnet when we pull that influence into our, it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing for sure. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Do you have anything else that you would like to share with our listeners? Anything else? Um, any advice, <sighs> anything like that you'd like to share with our listeners? You know, I just want to thank you all for, I know I did this off air, but, but I think um, I'll do it again, just so y'all can listen back to it, remind you when you're having a bad day or questioning. I know there's moments where it's like, oh, why are we doing this? It's so hard. But um, personally, y'all have meant, y'all have been a great companion as I've been going through the shadow work, as I've been trying to grow and make my life better. And, um, and, you know, I want to thank you for what you do, you know, this journey is so hard. Shadow work is so hard. Questioning everything about how you were wired from childhood up. And both of you are so vulnerable and so like put so much into this. And I want you to know that the, the people that listen to you know it and and see the effort and the 
sacrifices that you make. And, and I just want to thank you for what you do. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. We're letting that in. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> letting it in. I'm, I'm having the giggles because I'm still, still kind of moving around my body a little bit, but yeah. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank thank you. you for for sharing today. Yeah. I'm sure your your betrayal stuff will help. Yeah, I appreciate it. And and also your interaction with us. I'd just like to say thank you for that too. I know that the, we have all sorts of different types of listeners. Some who just listen, some who, you know, some who will have sessions with me and then there and then there's this beautiful group who are just like super just yeah, they just comment so on our TikTok present and, and help us yeah. and and your words here are just a, are kind of a uh, you know, in addition to that of like, just like, Hey, I'm going to interact with you because I want you to know that you're not speaking into a vacuum. <laughs> I can't imagine. It's got to be a little bit like staring at a wall and having a conversation <laughs> with it <laughs> to have to do a podcast, right? Like you all have each other, which kind of helps. Yeah. But you're right. talking to somebody who's not sitting there, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. I think there's one thing that you talked about today that I just love. And I think it's great for our, our male listeners that um, a good, you were talking about how your, your, your wife, like a good woman will try to bring the best out of you. And I think that's a really good reminder that I think the feminine attests the masculine over and over and over again. And it's to, to bring out the best in you. And it's not to necessarily, you know, kick you when you're down and, and, and for you to recognize that and use that as your tool for growth. I think that's really that perspective can really shift a lot of things for people in relationships when they come to see that, that that is what the feminine is doing. It's not trying to destroy. Well, it's trying to destroy ego, maybe. <laughs> you know, and something to add to that is, is in this generation of men, you know, we've learned in our toxic masculine to try to find the shortest path for reward, right? So whenever we hear something that feels like criticism and we're not confident in ourselves, it's going to feel like we're off track for reward, right? And, and good things come to those that put effort into it, right? Like you, you can't go to the gym for a day and get a six pack or maybe some people can, I'm not that guy. But, um, and I think the divine masculine, I loved, um, I can't remember the gentleman's name, but him and his wife both did a podcast episode. Yes, yeah, Satyan and Suzanne Raja. Yeah. They are so amazing. And I've yes. listened to that so many times. And and the one thing I hear heard from them is patience. It takes time to build. And you hearing them talk about it and you could just tell that they have brick by brick built this amazing connection. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I always say that in some ways my husband made me fall in love with life more so than almost falling in love with him because in order to like stay in a relationship, I had to fall in love with life in a way that I hadn't before. And it, to me, it's that kind of feeling of just like having to build that up. Yeah. That's one of the most, you should write that on a card. That is beautiful. <laughs> I'm going to take the audio snippet and hand it to him and say, yeah. don't say I ever didn't Make a appreciate you. <laughs> I may not like you, but I sure like my life. <laughs> well, oh. well, what it is though, is you like life with him in it, right? That's it. That's it. That's it. Right. And that's, that's, that's what it. it is. Yeah. Yeah. Is that, is that's where it feels like that, you know, and, and like you said, it's, a, it's the constant challenge of it. And especially since the masculine does not like advice in any way, shape or form. So the only thing that's ever, you know, in theory, according to men are from Mars, women are from Venus. I don't know if that's actually true, if you would align with that, but yeah. <laughs> so it's, we did a project yesterday, right? And we're learning to work together. And we know, and you have done projects with your partners, you know how it is. Like, I don't know why, but we always have the opposite idea. I don't know why. If there's something in it, I don't know if it's the feminine test. I don't know. And so kind of learning where to take input, where to be strong those can be as a man that's a, where do you trust your intuition where do you make sure you're listening to your woman to give you a direction when you need it right and while still making sure you don't cross the line of falling out of leadership right 
because you you got to listen. You got to take input to be a leader. You got to take care of people's feelings. You got to prioritize in the moment. But it's such a dance where I can't just hey, I'm gonna go mow the lawn and get it done. No, because something may need to happen. My partner may have a different priority for me that I need to be open to. And it's like it's like dance moves, right? And that's um that's the masculine, right? Always being present, always looking for the next step and being open to it. Yeah. That's beautiful. Thank you so much, RB, for being here today and for sharing with us. I'm so, you know, if, if we could sit here and have a four hour podcast, I'm sure we could end up talking forever. So thank you so much yeah, for your presence. Thanks for and sharing. Thank yeah. you hey, so much for sharing. I'm glad to be here. And, you know, I really enjoyed the conversation. If you ever, if you ever have blank space to fill, just let me know. We'll find something to, to film or yeah. to record. Indeed. All right. Sounds good to me. All right. Thanks so much. Thank y'all. And remember, humility, gratitude, acceptance, done. Let me tell y'all a riddle. There are four girls and four apples in a basket. Every girl takes an apple, yet one apple remains in the basket. How is this possible? The answer, one girl took the basket. She took the last apple while it was in the basket. Sometimes all it takes is a perspective shift. This is my specialty, y'all, and I am opening up two spots in the next two months for dedicated journeyers to work with me to find peace, purpose, and most importantly, perspective. In these journeys, we co-create a curriculum that suits your current blocks, goals, and needs, and we use all the tools, shadow work, books, fiction, remote viewing, intuition, meditation, guided journeys, energy healing, dreaming techniques, you name it, we do it, and all to achieve a commonly held set of objectives. And if you're interested in hearing more, Book a free call with me at www.chriswilty.com forward slash discover.